What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Winning at Work, career-boosting conversations with HR's leading voices. And we are joined with Wendy Daly. Say hey, Wendy. Hello. Hello. (laughs) So excited to be here. Thanks. I'm so glad you're here, too. Wendy, you are the co-host. I'll say you're the better half because John's not here. (laughs) Uh, Better half of the HR Social Hour, half hour podcast. Love it. One of my good friends in the blogger sphere, social media sphere. Uh, you also have your own blog. Um, I love reading yep. your um, your five things list. And today we're going to be talking about how people can win at work through communication. Is that right? Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. (laughs) Awesome. So let's set some ground rules for folks who are tuning in and people pop in and pop out. But while you're listening, if you have any questions for us about communication, you can go ahead and type it in the chat here. Sometimes we're able to get to it while we're talking. Other times we'll just follow up. Mm -hmm. But uh, we may mention you on air and uh, you'll be a part of the show. So what we like to do is, uh, Wendy, we like to start with two truths and a lie. I think it's a pretty oh. cool icebreaker. <laughs> and uh, no one's asked me to participate in it yet. So oh. I'm going to hold off on mine. But um, I love asking guests to give their two truths and a lie. And then people that are watching can participate and join. What are your two truths and a lie? All right. Oh, so two truths and a lie. So I was once, uh, I once played Betty Rubble in a uh, parade. My favorite place to travel to is Paris, France. And uh, last, I have been married for 17 years. All right. So (laughs) this has to be the hardest one. And I tell you why. Because if it's the marriage one, it could be true if you've been married for 17, but it could be a lie if you are married for 15, 13, or 37. Uh, That's a very specific number, wasn't it? (laughs) The travel one could be difficult because you may love to travel, and I know you do. You you travel the world, you speak at conferences and all that fun stuff, but you may not love Paris. So. (laughs) That's a tough one. And then, I mean, I know you're great and you may have been in theater programming, but (laughs) Betty Rebel, that is a very specific role. I wonder how many people listening know who Betty Rebel even is. You know, know, that's a great question. That's a great question. (laughs) Now, there may be a younger millennial crowd or Gen Z who remembers the Flintstones with uh, with Holly Berry in it. But but outside of that, though, you you have to be a particular age and up to even appreciate the role of Betty Rubble and um, know what cast of characters that's in. Kind of a flashback there, you know, back to, I, you know, I didn't watch it live. I'm not that old, but, you know, the reruns were pretty regular when I was a kid. Um, Yeah. You know, I joke sometimes because some days when I'm getting dressed and and I have to figure out what to wear, I'm like, I just want to be like Fred Flintstone, like Steve Jobs, when right? open the closet and it's just like seven of the same shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I just have one thing that I wear. I don't have to think about it. I, you know, I kind of miss uniforms. Yeah. Um, you know, for yes. that reason, there's, and that's, I guess, uh, that's another good way when people have that spirit wear or their, you know, their branded stuff to encourage folks to wear regardless. It's kind of nice because like, all right, I'm just, I'm throwing on the the polo and 
pair of jeans and we're going to call it good. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and I have no shame in my game. I would, I would still wear the same thing because I knew it was clean and it was, a, it was a different one. It's not the same one from Monday. <laughs> right. Right. We're, we're so it. sidetracked, but this is what happens when you talk to your friends and you catch I up. It. I love it. Yes. All right. So, so two truths. Hey, Tracy, Tracy's Hi, joining Tracy. us. Tracy, Tracy had a pretty cool uh, two truths and a lie last week for those, for those who didn't catch it. Hey, Mary. Mary, we got to get you on the show. Yes. Um, I need to DM you about that. So, yes, um, get Mary on for yeah. sure. We were for just sure. talking about you, Mary. So, <laughs> all right. Can you recap your two truths and a lie, though? Because I, okay. I, I practiced so remember. <laughs> all right. So, um, I, I was once Betty Rubble in a parade. Paris is my favorite place to travel to. And I've been married for 17 years. All right. If anyone wants to guess, uh, we'll give you like, you know, 20 seconds to guess <laughs> in the chat. I am going to go with, I don't think Paris is your favorite place. That That's my, that's, that's, that's a lie for me. I don't think okay. Paris is your favorite place. Am I wrong? No, you are, you are correct. I've actually, I've actually never been to Paris. It is on my list. I want to go, but uh, I, I have never been. So I can't say that it's my favorite place to travel to because I've never been there. <laughs> Tracy said Paris too, so she's a winner okay. as well. She's a winner as well. Awesome. Uh, stickers are coming. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, when I was in college out in the Black Hills of South Dakota, there was a little tourist attraction called um, Flintstones Bedrock City, where they had the Bedrock City all laid out. And I, I worked there for one summer and was uh, pulled into the parade to be Betty Rubble. <laughs> they said, Wendy, we've got a job for you and only yeah. you can do it. We Pretty need much. you to play Betty Rubble. Because you're the only one that works for us that fits into the costume. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a, uh, what is that? A, a BFOQ, bonafide occupational qualifications. Exactly. Got to be able to, <laughs> got to be able to fit. So Tracy, fit Tracy says she loves stickers. So right. um, you've got to send her a, a HR social half hour one, and uh, of course, I have to create some winning at work ones to to send. You do because um, that would be fun. The stickers are fun, and uh, I'll send you the the sticker mule link. They have super deals all the time. I actually just bought some um, coasters with okay. the Wonder Woman logo on it. And it was 50 coasters for $19. So that is yeah, a, a pretty that's good a deal. Yeah, yeah, that's a steal. Yeah. That's awesome. So if Paris isn't your favorite place yeah. to travel, then where's your favorite place? You know, that's hard. Um, I, I always say Australia because I've been there um, when I worked for United Airlines before 9-11. Um, that was like my big trip that I took. I went out, um, spent a week in Sydney, and it was so beautiful. I would love to go back, hoping to get there again someday. Um, in the States, honestly, I just, I love going out to the Black Hills of South Dakota. It's so pretty out there. It's usually quiet. If you go kind of off season, stay away from summer, stay away from the Sturgis Rally because it's nuts every year, nuts in the Black Hills in, in August, but it's, it's a beautiful place. It's usually a little bit out of the way. You can find whole little hole in the wall places and just kind of enjoy, enjoy the, the great outdoors. Nice. Well, I haven't made it to uh, that part of the U.S. yet, but on your recommendation, I'm yeah. going to have to get out there. So and- come out, start in Sioux Falls and come see me because I'm on that I'm on the opposite side of the state. And then I'll, I'll give you directions. Pretty much just head west from Sioux Falls right. and we'll hit it. <laughs> all right. All right. 
Well, so um, you, you mentioned something just now about working for an airline prior to September 11. Mm-hmm. And um, that in and of itself was a, a huge tragedy that we all felt, whether we were in those areas or not, we felt it as a national tragedy. But And today we're talking about communication and communicating in crisis. So take us back to 9-11, working for United, and um, what was that like to be on staff and knowing that um, the airlines were unfortunately a part of 9-11? What what was that like? You know, it was uh, was a bit surreal because I was in Colorado at the time, so it was really early in the day for us when it happened. And I mean, I remember I had the TV news on. Um, and they were talking about the Broncos and I was just like, oh my God, isn't there something better to talk about? I don't say that (laughs) anymore. Um, but you know, you're just kind of going through the motions. We were at home and we all went to work and pretty much somebody brought in a TV and we just sat around watching the TV all day, waiting to hear, spent a lot of time just waiting to hear about the, the last airplane. That fourth airplane was a United aircraft. And so we were waiting to see because we had we knew we had an aircraft missing. I, I worked in HR, I worked in recruitment at the time. So, you know, we weren't at the airport, which I'm really glad about. We were mm-hmm. off site. But that that week after was really, you know, just kind of going through motions. We knew we weren't going to be hiring. We didn't know what was going on. There was a lot of a lot of silence. Nobody knew what to do. You know, no one had <laughs> no one had been through this. This isn't on your list of um, emergency preparedness. Uh, of things to be prepared for. But it, it was probably, you know, less than two weeks later when people started getting um, furloughed. Mm. And pretty much all the HR offices went down to maybe one person in each office. They furloughed everybody. And um, about two months later, officially laid us all off. So we had to go through, we filled out uh, paper forms for unemployment. We did that all together <laughs> in mm. our office and mm-hmm. took the paper forms down to the unemployment office. It was really, you know, you look back at it and very few people had cell phones. We had, um, I think we had pagers in our office. Beepers, um, yeah. Beepers, yeah. beepers. My husband uh, was working for a newspaper or um, a news company in Michigan at the time. And so I, he and I couldn't talk for, it was probably a week because he was pretty much on call 24 seven through the first week or so. Now, um, was he um, in Michigan that. while you were in Colorado? And Yes. So we were actually, we were dating at the time. We were gotcha. married. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole um, 17 years. You can tell. Yeah. Took me a little while. Okay. 17 years. <laughs> Got it. Yep. Yep. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. So that was, that was right before. So it was just, it's, you know, it's interesting to look back and um, we just, we actually just did a, a panel of recruiting through recession with, with uh, Kirsten Greggs and uh, Tiffany Keel, Josh Rock and I, um, because we've all been in the industry, we've all been recruiting since 9-11 and yeah. before that. And so we just, we spent some time talking about how life, how different life was then compared to where we are now. You know, it, it's a recession, but it's different because the pandemic is affecting us all differently than 9-11 did. Yeah. You know, people went, went back to work after 9-11. You know, you weren't at home, you weren't locked up at home for months and months and months trying to figure out what was going on. But the communication back then was also a lot different because you didn't have that instant access to information like we Mm -hmm. do now. You know, the internet was new. It was there, but it was pretty new for everybody to use. And, And, 
you know, we, we didn't know what to believe, what not to believe. There was no social media to share stories instantaneously like there is now. So, you, you know, you look back at it, like, how, how did we find out about things? How did we know what was going on? And it was, you know, you're waiting for those emails to come through from, from leadership on what's going on. You're waiting for a, a phone call or a page, yeah, yeah. <laughs> page to call somebody back. And, um, you know, my, when I found out I got laid off, it was a phone call, mm. um, which people would say now don't, don't call somebody. You don't, you know, at least video. Yeah. You, know, you didn't, you, we didn't have video chats then. Not everyone had a video camera <laughs> to be able to do that. Like it, we do now. You know, we all have, probably. we all have the, you know, a mobile device with a phone, with a video on it. So it's, yeah. it's interesting to think about where we were then and, and how far it is now. And I did comment to my husband, you know, if we're going to have a pandemic in our lifetime, I'm kind of glad that it's now where we do have the technology to be able to keep people safe and working at home and have that instant communication of what's going on. So I think that's a lot of a lot of things that I've learned about communication started back in in at 9/11 when it was again it was just quiet. Yeah. I just remember quiet after after that because we we didn't know what was going on and we couldn't you had to wait for somebody to call somebody to call somebody. Jumpstart HR is changing the face of the HR industry with their outsourcing, project consulting, and phone support. Enabling startups and small businesses to outsource their HR needs from anywhere in the U.S., from new business and legal compliance to employee performance management and outplacement services. Within the business community, Jumpstart HR is a trusted and reliable service. In fact, companies like Forbes, HR.com, and Inc. Magazine have all featured Jumpstart HR for their easy-to-use, hourly, monthly, and on-call support that is tailored specifically to each client's needs. This saves clients like you a lot of time and money. To learn more, schedule your free HR evaluation today at jumpstart-hr.com slash contact. You know, th that's interesting. You mentioned quiet because I feel like this era that we're in now, the last thing you would expect is quiet because there's so much noise between social mm -hmm. media and perspectives and television and, and lives, you know, like that. Right, so that's interesting. Really quick. Mary says uh, that recruiting in a recession panel was fabulous. And she has three exclamation points. On it. <laughs> so, you know, it was good. Really enjoyed yeah. the discussion and the live tweeting during highly recommend when hashtag HR social hour releases as podcast episode to check it out. Hashtag recruiting in a recession covered 9-11, 2008, and the 2020 pandemic, which for many of us who are watching this, we uh, have lived through each of these, right? Yeah. So what makes this one different than 9-11 in 2008? You mentioned, you know, we all went back to work after 9-11, or yeah. in my case, I went back to high school after... <laughs> um, after you know they shut it down for a yeah. few days but but how as an hr professional how is this one different than the other two you know it, it's it's not just the technology i think there's a a new ex, a different expectation now to 
what is shared and how it's shared. You know, even in 2008, I can remember a few employee panels or employee sessions where the CEO would come out and, and talk about what was going on, share updates. You know, and again, even in 2008, we weren't utilizing the internet the same way we are now. It's completely different. You know, no social media. Again, social media is so new. I think we forget how new to our world social media really is and how big it's gotten in just a few years. But you still didn't have a lot of that instantaneous communication. You, you didn't have a lot of that transparency of what was going on. And I see now a lot more transparency. There's a lot of leaders that are being very vulnerable in sharing. My organization um, have been very proud of how much information they've shared. At the beginning of the pandemic, we had um, senior leadership sharing video updates weekly with here where here's what's going on, here's where we are, here's what we're working towards, and, and keeping that information to the forefront. I, I look to the the Marriott CEO. And, you know, he put out a, a video fairly quickly after everything started shutting down, very shared, you know, very vulnerable, very up, up to date with, you know, we don't know what's going on. Here's what we're going to try to do. Very short and to the point. So I think there's, we're not expecting our leaders to have all the answers and our leaders are being okay mm -hmm. with not having all the answers and sharing what they know in smaller bite-sized pieces as opposed to, oh, we have to wait till we have every all the answers and then we'll send out an email or we'll um, we'll put it on the on the uh, intranet so that only our employees can see it. It's knowing that that, you know, and they I think more leaders know that whether, you know, you can say something's private, but your employees are going to share it because they always have. <laughs> they always have. They it's always gonna, have. It's going to end up on uh, BuzzFeed or TNT yep. or, or somewhere. Yeah. Yep. You know. So, you know, you, you need to take that time and share with people what's going on, even if you don't know. And people are going to appreciate that and they're going to be, they're going to want to be a part of that. And I think when this is over and some of those, like the Marriott's of the world reopen up, you're going to see people flocking to go there, I think. They're going to want to work someplace where, where leadership tells them what's going on and doesn't keep them in the dark. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think this generation that we're in now, this era that we're in now, we are finally starting to value empathy and transparency uh -huh. over uh, having all of the facts together in yeah. one place. And it's super important because the bottom line is people don't necessarily care if you have all the answers or know the right answer or when we're going to return to work or where can I find this in the handbook? You know, wow. they just want to know that you care and right. there's something that you have to say. Tessa on Periscope, aka our Twitter feed, says hey, uh, it's so much easier. Yeah, hey Tessa, it's so much easier to share and spread those messages now. The pace of information is so fast. I mean, yeah. we, we have a chief tweeter in office now where the pace <laughs> of, of thoughts, feelings, and opinions are just, you know, 240 characters away. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend that when it comes to communicating in a crisis. <laughs> but, but I will say to your point, you know, understanding that people crave information instantaneously or, or sooner rather than later, mm -hmm. a major key in communicating in crisis as an employee, as a leader, as a manager, is it just come to people with what you can as soon mm -hmm. as you can? It, it's it's true. And, you know, 
I struggle with this too, because I grew up and live in an era of no news is good news. That's just how it is. So, you know, I, I still struggle with, oh, what am I, you know, oh, I don't need to share anything because there's nothing to update. Everything's fine. Everything's moving ahead. But that's not necessary, you know, that people want, want to know, yes, everything's moving forward. <laughs> they want to know that everything's on track. So it's not even just from the leadership perspective, but from each one of us, as we do better about sharing what's going on, sharing what we're working on, even if you feel like there's no update to give, tell them, hey, nothing's changed. We're, we're still moving forward. We're still progressing towards our goal. And, and laying that out can be extremely meaningful. And like I said, I'm still learning that message because yeah. it's really easy to say, yeah, nothing's going on. What am, what am I? I'm supposed to update you. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I don't need any help. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm struggling with that too, because you never, I think what we have to account for in this day and age more so than before is is we're, we're understanding that communication is as much about what we say and as much as it's perceived by other people. Uh-huh. And we have to take into account our team, whether it's a large 10,000 member staff or a smaller team of three, four, five, ten, 10, and realize that your silence could be interpreted differently than (laughs) you expect it or perceive it to be interpreted. So what do you think about that? What do you think about needing to realize how other people perceive action or inaction, silence or speaking? You know, I think it's um, Cy Wakeman that talks about, you know, people are going to make up their own stories. So if you don't tell them what's going on, they're going to make up their own story anyway. What no communication can mean to people is that you're not doing anything, that you're not working towards that solution or working on whatever it is that's been assigned to you or whatever your wherever your responsibilities lie. So having that that ongoing open communication and, and I think that comes from the top down in an organization that you know leadership needs to mirror that. They need to show that that's what they want by leading by example and mm-hmm. saying, you know, I'm going to come out and tell you we don't know what's going on or everything's moving forward, great job. So that comfort level comes to the rest of the world to say, oh, yeah, it is okay for me to say, hey, everything's moving forward. Everything's great. Thanks. Thanks for your support. Just to keep that moving forward. And, you know, there's different projects that I've worked on that, you know, you get that feedback of like, people don't know what's going on. Like, well, there's nothing going on right now. Oh, I guess I should probably share that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're just waiting. We're waiting for the vendor. We're waiting for this. We're waiting for that. Those are all things that people need to know um, and want to know. And, you know, again, the more information you give up front, and hey, this is good advice for marriage too. In any relationship, the information you give up front is the le- it lessens any blow at the end. People are going to be on your side. They're going to be supportive. They're going to help you, especially when you screw up. Anyone who has kids, as your as your daughter gets older, Joey, you know, what's yeah. gonna, you know what upsets you more, and you know we see this even in politics. You know, okay, yeah, you screwed up. Okay, you lied. You did whatever. What we care more about is that you tried to cover it up, that you tried, yep. that you lied about it, that you you didn't bring us in to help fix it. So I think you know, there's you know, and again, I'm gonna be honest, I struggle with this, so I'm preaching to myself on it. But getting getting to that point where we get comfortable with it, yeah, and that's we haven't been to a point. We're not at that point for sure, and hopefully, we can raise our children to be a little more 
comfortable. And maybe social media will help that because we are, you know, we're sharing the mundane of our lives that people like to complain about. I don't care what you had for lunch. Yes, you do, because it was a beautiful hamburger. Um, <laughs> you know, let's share more. Let's be more open and not put people down because they're sharing. We're just trying to make that connection. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this, too. I know th this 30 minutes has gone by so fast. We've got to do it again soon. But let's flip the conversation a little bit. I, okay. I think we are having this conversation. We're orienting it towards leaders of people, which is a pretty important group. But when it comes to communicating in crisis, what advice would you have for employees that want to maybe broach a difficult topic with leadership or an employee who wants to tell their boss what's on their mind, um, but maybe they're afraid. What, what advice would you have to communicate up the chain as opposed to down the chain? Because you, oh, yeah. like you you've been on both sides of it. So what would you have wished you knew um, from September 11? And what would you tell employees that are going through the pandemic right now? You know, I think the biggest thing is that leadership doesn't care if you ask questions. And maybe that's the wrong way to put it. Maybe it's more leadership wants you to ask the questions that you're, they're not, typically you're not going to get punished because I think that's some of it. And especially around like the Black Lives Matter movement. And if you don't see your organization doing something and you want them to, you need to ask the questions. And if you don't feel comfortable going to your, you know, your chain of command or whatever, find, you know, find someone, talk with somebody in your office, somebody else is thinking the same thing. We, you know, we've said that, you know, if you have a question, someone else probably has the same question, but maybe they're too shy to ask, but find like-minded people and go together, send an email. You know, if you really don't want to go talk to somebody, an email is fine too, just to say, Hey, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, movement's going on and nothing's coming from our leadership about it. Nothing's, we're not hearing anything. We're not seeing anything. What is, what is your, what is our organization doing to support it or to support Black Lives? We, we feel like we need to do more. We feel like we need to see something. So if you feel free to use the we. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and even if you don't know if anyone's there, use, use the royal we that, so <laughs> They think there might be other people involved with it because you'll be surprised. I, you know, I, I saw it come out when we our our leader put something out about, hey, we're going to make some changes to what we're doing in our recruitment process to better promote diversity. So here are some ideas and here are some things we want to do. Let's put let's put a group together. And, you know, when I got together with that group, I was so surprised at how many people really cared about that issue. And, you know, for a long time, I thought, oh, it's just me. So I'm going to work away in my little corner of the world to make it better. But there's other people that think like you. So, yeah. you know, find find your fi friends, find your allies, find people. And, and you know, when, even if you're at home and you can't just like run into somebody, send them an email and say, hey, you know, we had a great conversation about X, Y, Z. I'm wondering, what do you think about this? To get some help so you don't have to do it alone. I love it. I love it. I love the, the fact that... Um, you said leadership doesn't mind asking or you asking. They don't. We, we have this, this stigma of like, oh, I'm troubling the supervisor or yeah. you know, I don't want to bother my boss. What they're doing is so important. It's more important than my question. No, say something. Say something. They want to know. And um, yeah, great advice to go in a group because that way they know that um, a th this must be important if more than one person is right. um, not coming to me about it. 
no, this is super cool advice. Um, yeah. I really appreciate it. And um, kudos to you for, for learning in the pandemics prior and leading in the p- pandemic that were, well, I guess the others weren't pandemics, but just no, thank uh, God. <laughs> issues, cr- crises. crises. Crises is the word that we're going yeah. with today. Crises for learning crises. in other crises and taking your, your learnings and applying that for today. Do you have any parting thoughts you want to share with everyone that's tuned in live or who will catch the replay? Any events that you want to promote or um, how can people find you and your podcast online? Sure. Um, You know, I think I'm done with events for the the season. So hopefully next year we'll be out and about and be able to see each other in person. But um, I am always happy to connect on Twitter, Wendell93. That is where I spend most of my social media time. Hope y'all go listen to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. We are wherever you listen to podcasts, we're probably there. But we do share via LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter when a new episode comes out and uh, we have uh, tomorrow, um, October 1st, we have a, where are they now episode with uh, Nicole Roberts and Georgette. Ah, I don't have her last name in front of me, but she's out of Florida and uh, got to catch up with the two of them. And it was just, it was fantastic to do that. So we love chatting with our friends. That's awesome. And I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out in the atmosphere for those uh, event planners, conference planners uh, in Paris uh, who want to yes. get Wendy to talk about communicating in a crisis. <laughs> uh, you know how to reach her. She just gave all of her handles yeah. and everything. So Booker. I'll come. I'll come. I would love, love that. You know, we've been, I actually did uh, last week, did my very first international event with uh, Francisco Reyes and the VEHR Summit, which was so much fun. Nice. He did a great job. So next time, hopefully we can actually go to Spain. That would be even better. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Maybe you lay over in Paris. There we go. You know, go to Spain. I just need to be in Paris long enough to drink wine and eat cheese. (sighs) Probably can do that (laughs) in the airport. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Wendy, it's been a blast as always. Yes. Talking with you. Uh, And thank you for tuning in to Winning at Work Career Boosting Conversations with HR's leading voices. If you love this episode and you see it on your social feed, give it some love, uh, reshare it, share it with the world. And uh, we'll see you next week, same time, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central. Have a great day and keep winning at work. 